Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief, Season 3. I'm Jasper, and I ride a black Triumph Scrambler 900. Here's how it sounds. I'm Jed, and I ride a straight pipe Triumph Bonneville. Here's how it sounds. Join us each week as we catch up, discuss the latest headlines in the biking world, tackle a topic and answer your questions. We also have some exciting guest interviews lined up for this season, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Motone Customs. If you're like us and you're always looking for the next custom part for your bike, Motone has loads on offer, from headlight to taillight and everything in between. With daily worldwide dispatch, Motone are here to cater for all your custom needs. Check out what's on offer at www.motone.co.uk. Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief, Episode 3. Jasper, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. Again, we've had another fantastic weekend. Oh, it's been amazing. The weather held out and it was DJR weekend. So the sun was shining, the bikes were out. All in all, great weekend. Now, before we get on to that, we've got a few things to discuss, don't we? Oh, yes. There's some topics to cover. So your bike, let's talk about that first. So at the beach race two weekends ago, yes, you snapped your shifter... Yes. So what happened is my bike's been down a few times and we sort of discussed this briefly on the Instagram accounts and stuff. Some of you might have heard. And what happened is my bike went down in the sand and instead of my shifter lever snapping, the gear selector shaft that goes through the engine into the gear mech to change gears, the end of that snapped off. So we managed to sort of do a quick pit side repair, get the bike back in action to get me back to London. And then I spent the other day probably from about half past five in the evening through to half past 10 at night fixing the bike so talk me through it what 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 was the process and did you have to look at a Haynes manual to know what you were doing so a quick google search and someone had done i think it's quite a common problem when the bike gets dropped it's a weak part that protrudes from the side of the engine casing so it's bound to snap so i found a guide online which gave me the basics of what to do and i just broke out the tools and got cracking so um started by draining the oil out because it's a engine casing off job so drained all the oil out did new uh, oil filter at the same time because uh, it was due service so once i'd done that how was, just quickly how was the oil looking very black yeah like yeah. a sort of like a transit van almost. It, it was it was like let's think seven thousand miles yeah of oil so you know it was coming yeah. up for its annual service anyway so fresh oil in but yeah drain the oil out new filter and then the clutch cover off all the bolts in the cardboard sort of keep them track of where they go back in um, peel the old gasket off and then there's like a little circlip that's hidden behind the, the flywheel behind the clutch so luckily i was able to get at it with a flathead screwdriver and some long nose pliers because if i couldn't do it with that it would have been a clutch off job and that's like you know it's a big operation so that came off and then the gear mech because the triumphs have the chain on the opposite side in keeping with the original bikes the gear mechs on the right hand side of the engine as if you're sitting on the bike so that gear mech cover had to come off along with the front sprocket but what i didn't account for was having the right size socket to take the front sprocket off my bike so it's a 36 mil socket to get it off and my my half inch socket set goes up to a 32 so i was like yeah because that's quite big yeah it's a it's a decent size socket so i was thinking where can i get a socket at half past five in the afternoon when all the shops closing at six so i got on my suzuki raced out in my t-shirt with my black latex gloves on <laughs> literally straight down the road to machine mart they didn't have one 
tool station, screw fix, didn't have one. So the nearest place I could get one was a Halfords, which is about 20 minutes away. And you went all the way, all the way there so with the latex gloves? Yeah, all the way there with the latex gloves on in my sort of oily champion t-shirt. Got there, got the socket, raced home. Finally went to, I was expecting the, the nut to be really tight because you've got this flat washer that you sort of hammer the edges over and it yeah. keeps the nut captive. Yeah. So I'd flatten that out with a screwdriver and a punch and then put the, uh, the the socket on my biggest bar to get the leverage, to get it undone. Put the chain back on and then have my foot on the rear brake to stop it turning. And then as I went, like, give it all the effort, it just went, whoop, it just came down. The thing was loose. No. It, it, was, it was almost hand-tight loose. It came undone so easily. So I almost didn't need the socket. And it should be tight. It should be 180 newton meters tight, which is yeah. pretty tight. Did you tighten it back up to yes. that? Yeah. Yeah. So when I put it back together, I put it back together properly. But then the gear mech. So once I got that off, I could get to the gear mech. And I had to use a hacksaw to cut the end of the, sh the old broken shaft off because it was bent. So it couldn't slide out. There's a few sets of holes. It has to go through the engine casing to pull out the other side. So I cut the end of that. Tried to pull it out. It was getting stuck. So... Long screwdriver in the other side, punched it out with a mallet, came out, and uh, I put some pictures and stuff on my story of how distorted it was. It was quite, had quite a bend in it. So once that was out, that was the hardest bit. The new mech just slid right in. Then I had to clean up all the gasket surfaces with the Stanley blade, ready for the fresh gaskets, mm -hmm. put those all on, covers back on. By this point, I was operating with a head torch because no. it was dark. Um, so I got the engine casing back on. Filled out with oil, sump guard back on, and we were in business ready for DGR weekend. Now, once the bike was finished and ready back on the road, before DGR, you've just gone and done bike safe, right? Yes. So I went out of London. I wanted to do it at the bike shed because it's close for me, but um, I ended up going to Bushy. So a bit outside London. Yeah. And yeah, it was a great day. Turned up there, and then we basically went through a series of videos explaining you know, road positioning. Yeah, it's all the theory. There's an, all the theory side of it. So we did all the theory side and then uh, it was like time for the road ride. So we went outside to the bikes, got kitted up and I had one-on-one -on -one with an officer. So that was quite cool. And now, what, what was your feedback from the from the ride? Was, there, was it positive or negative? Because... So they, they do it in two stages. So you yeah. do like a an hour or so on the bike and then you stop for a lunch break. Yeah. And then they give you some pointers and then in the afternoon you put those points into practice. Oh, yeah. So he said from the morning... What was good was my town riding was effortless. Should be, being in London. That's yeah. what I do every day. So he said, that was good. He said, my road positioning could be improved upon. And you've got like three road positions for cornering and stuff. Use my line of sight, look further down the road, etc. And then we put it into practice, went out for the afternoon ride. And he was like, you've done fantastic. So he actually, he sent me the feedback email. Oh, here we go. With it's the comments report, and stuff. Yeah. It's like a report. So it goes through each stage, but I won't go through all of it. I'll just go to the end comments and uh, read you one paragraph. So it says, you showed a good understanding of the limit point system of motorcycle control and ride to a high standard. To find faults with your riding, I would need to push you above what is legal and within the speed limits of riding. So overall, next ride start to finish, showing a high level of riding ability. Well done. Happy days. Well, that's, that's pretty decent. And what, did they say your pipes were too loud out of interest? Um, or do they love them? They, they love them. They love the bike. They love the sound. They actually wanted me to take the baffles out. Really? Yeah. Wow. They were like, take them out. Let's enjoy the sound. No, they're really good blokes. They're not there to uh, penalise you. you know, as long as your bike's MOT compliant and you've got all your insurance and documents in order, um, they'll take you out and you can learn so much. So I would highly recommend it.
Sweet. Now, I have a quick story for you. It's just very, very quick. So Will Hatlapper, who we had on the podcast uh, yes. last season, yep. the photographer. So he has, obviously, a Scrambler 900, the one in blue. Blue one. He'd previously been running Metzler Tourant's tyres. Yeah. You know, those sort of touring ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he's going on a trip at the end of this month. He's going off to Spain. I think he may have mentioned yes. that. yeah. Now, he wanted to change his tyres before the trip. Not only to have fresh rubber, but also just for the look of it yeah and he was fed up with the with the sort of road biased look of those those previous tires yeah you need knobbly on a scrambler exactly and so when i was changing out my tires i said to him yeah mate go for the hide nows they're fantastic no complaints etc i said my rear is shot but my front one's fine yeah. so he can take my front one and just buy a new rear yeah so anyway he fits the new rear fits my old front and he calls me up and he says mate i think the tires are a bit off so i said oh. yeah so i said what do you mean off and he said i don't know i just when I'm riding along, it's just not quite right. And um, so I said, okay, well, let's meet up and I'll just take it for a spin and see if there's, see what you mean by that. Yeah. Because his mechanic, the guy who fit them and said, no, they're all good. Okay. So I so I meet up with him and take it for a ride and I can feel there's something, it's like there's a sort of vibration. And it reminded me a bit of when my, when I had my accident on my scrambler yeah. last year, the, I had to um, true the front rim because of, um, because of the accident it and, it was, buckled, yeah. and it was off. And I think what it's done is it's like, over that time period, it's like worn the tread pattern unevenly and then I've trued it again and then just ridden it. Yeah. And so what's happened is he's put the tire on his bike and he can sense that it's not quite running true. So it's causing like ever so slight vibrations. Oh, that's interesting. And and it turned out that's what it was. So I think he's had now had to put a new front one on. Wow. So it just goes to show like maybe using someone else's tires secondhand is, isn't necessarily wise, even idea. if it looks like they're fine. Yeah. It's surprising how they wear like that you know conform yeah. with the pattern of a, a buckled wheel and then it just carries forward even though you had them on your your trued wheel for a good few miles afterwards yeah no exactly now i it's been a while since i've been reading my mcn newsletters oh yeah let's hear the, the news yeah well there's actually not that much news i mean this time of year it's all about the events it's true and so there's a lot of the stuff where i've been seeing and i've been like well we're talking about it anyway so there's yeah. no point saying i've seen it in the news because we've yeah, just exactly. done it right now there was one quite interesting thing this week, which is that apparently BMW are going to be releasing a new line of retro bikes quite soon. Oh, are they? Yeah. That's quite interesting. Now, when I say new, I, you, we know what the industry's like. They're not yeah. going to be new It's going to be a revamped R9 too. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But hmm. I just thought we'd I'd say that now because who knows what they might bring up. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to look out for. Yeah, so I think we'll just have to watch this space and see. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was all I've got on the news front. But... Uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe more next week. Yeah, hopefully. maybe more next week. Now, this weekend just gone was the DGR. It was indeed. I've got a few figures here, and I wanted to test you to see how close you'd get. Right, I see my knowledge. Go on then. So, on the London ride, how many? I'm going to cover this. How many okay. bikes do you think were at Duke of London? Okay, so I heard from someone that it was around the 550 mark. Yeah, okay, you're you're pretty much right. I 530 bikes I've got registered. Okay. So it probably ended up being more like 550, 600. People would have snuck in, you know, yeah, here yeah. and there. Through the back door, exactly. through the back door. And how much cash do you think was raised? Oh, okay, so they actually this said this. London. This is just London. This is just London. They said this at the presentation <laughs> at the beginning. Was it something like 45,000? Was it more? So it's 115 grand. 115? Yeah, it's quite a lot. Wow, that is good. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the DGR is the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. It basically, I think they raise money for men's mental health charities. Yeah, so, so they're in partnership with the Movember charity and they focus on men's mental health and prostate cancer, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. Another, and okay, another set of figures. Go on. 
around the whole world globally, how many bikes do you think registered? Oh, globally. And the, yeah, and this is over a hundred, like I think more than a hundred countries. Okay, so this is going to be quite a high figure. Yeah. Bikes globally. Um, Just a rough guess. A rough guess. I'm going to say like half a million. <laughs> no. Okay. It's no, 103,000. Okay, so I was exaggerated a bit. No, half a million. I think maybe if, if, if all of India joined in, we'd get to that yeah. figure. No, but I still think that's a lot of bikes. And, and it was more than, I think more than 7 million pounds raised really good which is which is just fantastic it is amazing so we all met up at duke of london first thing in the morning it was quite an early start it was an early start and breezy as well yeah i was up at sort of six o'clock getting the suit out and then i had an absolute nightmare because i'd picked up my suit from the dry cleaners the day before and i had been so busy doing bike stuff and here there and everywhere that i hadn't actually checked it so unzip my bag in the morning get the blazer out get the trousers out get the shirt out and i think where's the tie They've nicked the tie. They've nicked the tie. So I'm going through all the pockets and I think I couldn't find it. So they, they lost my tie. So I was like, brilliant. Great start to the morning. So yeah, you had an even even more breezy ride then. Yeah, my ride was, you know, collar undone. Yeah. Wind down the chest. And it was quite fresh in the morning. It was about seven or eight degrees, I think, first thing in the morning. It was, but it was just blue sky. And yeah. that's always such a good sign, isn't it? Because I think was. in previous DGRs, it's been raining and, and it's just not going to be the same. No, is the it, morning was amazing. Down. Yeah. It was really good. Um, so I had a nice cruise over. Got there early, actually. Yeah. yeah. And we got told to turn around and go and wait in the Morrison's car park over the road. Um, so we waited there for a bit, had a chat, and then we did finally make it in. A load of bikes had already been lit. So we parked up in the sea of motorcycles and it didn't take long for me to lose sight of my bike. Yeah, I mean, I, I turned up after you and I was expecting there, I was expecting there to be a lot of bikes. I was expecting the Duke of London area to be somewhat full. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you, you've got that car park in the way and then yeah. you turn left down the ramp and I was like, oh my word. It was just, I mean, literally it was like Everywhere. every square foot yeah. was, was occupying a bike. And so we kind of rolled in as it were and we're taken, we sort of went round that back, the back of that yes. pub thing. And then I was up against one of the like sort of shutters, those oh, blue okay. shutters. And then behind me, because the rows were filling up so quickly behind yeah. me, there was like an Indian Scout bobber. Yeah. If you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, some guy on it, he's obviously just got it out for summer. Yeah. And he goes to put it on the stand. But because the guys are saying, like, park so close to the barrier, yeah. he's having to step off it, like... Over the, the bike. Over the bike. And it's that awkward thing where you've got to kind of shuffle off, but hold the bike and then let it down onto yeah. the stand. Anyway, he hadn't fully put the stand out. He'd, like, put it out no. halfway. And in a kind of cool way, he just kind of let the bike go as if to like drop it onto the stand. It just fell. And it just crunched into the into the barrier, <laughs> into the shutters, yeah. Was there any damage? Um, I think, you know, crunched mirror and various, Ooh. but it's quite a heavy bike. They are heavy, yeah. And, uh, and it just, down it went. Anyway, wow. it, it was just, that was the start of it. But to give you an idea of how tight, tightly parked everywhere was, I tried to get through some bikes, go to the toilet at one stage. And I took the wrong path. I had to turn back. Oh, you got stuck. I got, I got stuck between bikes. The tires were dead almost end. touching each other. It was dead end. Yeah, I had to loop back around. Yeah, it was um, It was extremely busy. We set off. What were your first impressions? It's just crazy how many bikes went. And bikes of every variation. Yeah. You know, there was even a few sports bikes in the mix. There yeah, was... there were. I saw an R1 and a Super Duke. Yeah, and no, I saw a Speed Triple and I saw a uh, MT-07. And there was quite a mix of bikes. But just to hear the rumble as you went down. I mean, it must have been people in their houses 
just to hear this noise. Yeah, well, I, I remember hearing the um, the founder of DGR saying that that's one of the most amazing things about it. It's like people hear the rumble and they go, oh, it's bloody bikes again. And then they look out and it's everyone dressed up, yeah. smiling and dogs in sidecars, etc. Yeah, I found I found that exactly the same. I mean, my my initial impression as we pulled out of the off the sort of start line, as it were, is I was like, okay, this is going to be quite a slow ride. Yeah. I hadn't thought it would be quite that slow. It was. There was only a few stages where we sort of opened up and the bike loved me for it because yeah, bit of cold air over the engine. My The inside of my right thigh was yeah. being slow cooked. Welcome to the life of, uh, <laughs> of high pipes. pipes. It, yeah. it, it really is like that. And But this this was something else because we both had a pillion and the yeah. pillion just makes the bike hotter. It does, yeah. And I don't know about you, but I it was the first time where I've ever felt it where it's like I'd feel the bike literally heating up when we're at the red yeah. light and going, oh, I'm, I'm trying to move my legs as far away yeah. from the engine as possible. And then if you get a stretch, even in first gear, to just get it up to like 25 miles an hour, you feel the cooling effect yeah, on the engine. straight away. And then when you stop, you're like, oh, it's not too bad. And then suddenly it heats the up heat again. builds up, yeah. I was thinking, you know, having a liquid-cooled bike is quite fun because at every light, people are just revving their bikes. I'm not revving anything, you know? So it's fun until you have a coolant leak. So a friend of ours... Oh, that can happen. Just for- Yeah, a friend of ours um, washed his bike pre-DGR and we were riding together for the whole ride. And he came to mine the night before to do a final bit of cleaning prep yeah and he had a leak from the top of the radiator so i thought maybe it's just where he's washed it and there's a bit of residual water sitting in there mm. so thought nothing of it but then by the time we rode from east to west and we parked up in the morrison's car park in the morning it was dripping on the floor and we looked in his um, sump guard full of green coolant wow and was his bike properly hot it was hot like the temperature like warning light it. was coming on yeah. and there was coolant sprayed all over the engine casings and we had to stop a couple of times to get water just to, you know, keep it topped up. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's not ideal. I was thinking, you know, also some of those big Harleys on the ride. Yeah. They would have they would have been very, Cooking. very hot. Yeah, because naturally in the way that a V-twin set up, that rear cylinder is getting no, no. cooling anyway. Yeah. One thing I couldn't believe was how much the general public were loving it. They, everyone was waving, happy to see us. I think it's the, the way you're dressed. Yeah. Because I think if it was a group of bikers in black leather it would have received a completely different um, reaction. And I think to add to that, it's also maybe the fact that because we just had a coronation, people are just used to like waving, yeah. stop standing on the street <laughs> and waving, waving. Do you and know filming. what I mean? Like a sort of good citizen. Yeah, all the phones were out pointing at us riding past. Yeah, because there was one point where, I don't know if you had this, but we were kind of towards Hyde Park Corner up where yeah. that Apple store is, Oh yeah, just after Harrods. Yep. That set of lights is quite a long red light. Yeah. And there would be times where one person would just start revving and then everyone starts revving their bikes. And it was it was genuinely loud. So we had that. We had, um, at the front of our group, there was a sidecar. I think it was one of those new Urals. Urals? Yeah, yeah, with the sort of high exhaust. Yeah, yeah, with the sidecar. Yeah, And the photographer was in the sidecar going back taking pictures. And the guy who was driving it or riding it was sort of shaking his fist in the air, like, go on, like, get the, get the noise up. And everyone behind just hear this echo come down the street of all yeah. these bikes just yeah. lighting up and it's, it's very interesting because when you're on the bike you can't underestimate how much sort of baffling your helmet does yeah. to how much you <laughs> no, can hear and notwithstanding how how your ears kind of get used to the noise after yeah. like five minutes so if you're a pedestrian that's like walked out of a shop and then suddenly you hear that i mean it must be like two or three hundred bikes in one go like yeah you know properly revving nuts you know that's a noise yeah, it is. So we, we actually had different rides because we got separated leaving uh, leaving Dukes. So my ride, I ended up sort of making my way near to the front mm-hmm. and we had our stop halfway around in Hyde Park. So we all sort of lined up 
in this parking on Long Hyde Park, had a quick breather, got to look at all the bikes, have a chat to a few people, and then we set back off again. But um, we didn't realize like how far ahead we were yeah. until we got back and sort of spoke to you. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. had a completely different rest stop, didn't you? Yeah, well, this is what this is a point to make. So like I was generally quite impressed with like how people filtered. Like I thought it was people just gonna kind of move as Sitting a Sitting in the traffic, yeah. Yeah, but everyone was everyone was filtering. And yeah. I guess that makes sense because everyone on the ride was a Londoner. So everyone's used to just like filtering yeah. through the traffic. But even still it's like amazing how stopping at one red light can really make can really yeah. divide groups. Because you know, if you get stopped at a red and then they get a green and then you get stopped at that yeah, red. Exactly. You know, quite a lot of distance can be created, notwithstanding the fact that there was quite a lot of traffic. There was. It was a really busy day for some reason. I don't know why. And there was that bit of Victoria that was shut off. There was a marathon in East London. Yeah, I think it was It was some sort of... I saw a lot of people in like fluorescent tutus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some sort of marathon. So maybe like a breast cancer marathon or something. Yeah. Yeah, no. It was uh, It was cool. I mean, I was quite happy to be... I was quite happy to be back. At yeah. It felt like felt like quite a, quite a long ride. Yeah, and it was nice to let the bike rest for a bit as well. Oh, I felt so sorry for the bike. Oh, so did I. I mean, there was, I just thought, you know, there was a, there was a, let me think, like an early BMW R65. Oh, wow. Like one of the first boxes, you know. Oh, with was the it Marshall? Seat. No, it wasn't a Marshall. Okay, yeah. With like the, the single seat with the springs, all black, like an original, original BMW. And it was like blue smoke pouring out the back of it. Yeah. And I thought, if this thing can make it all the way around, then my bike should be able to. Yeah, quite right quite right i actually had that a few times you're looking around looking around at the bikes next to you and you're like I, i've got the best bike in this bunch you know yeah in terms you should of make it. what should survive yeah no i mean it was fantastic it was a lot of fun yeah and then we all went back to uh, duke of london and they've got the pub there so there was cold beer yeah some food so we all sat down chilled out had a rest had a catch up sort of debriefed the ride and that was the perfect way to sort of wrap up the day now triumph were headline sponsors were. yes of the event did you take a look at their dgr edition yes so i'd seen some press on it prior to the dgr um and i had a quick look in person and it, it's quite cool for the event and i i believe it's a prize for the the highest fundraiser could win the bike yeah i think they win number one or something yeah number one out of 250 that's it yeah i, I had a look at it and they had a, a bunch of bikes posted out and like you know i love i love triumph bikes but I think it, I, I was quite disappointed by the DGR edition. Mm. And I don't know if that's... I think it, it's cool on the day, but yeah. do you want to be... Are you going to get excited on a February morning when you open your garage and you've got the DGR bike? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I almost think as it being a 250 limited edition, it's almost the sort of bike you just want to wrap in cellophane and tuck in a corner somewhere and, you know, wait for 50 years' time. But th- but this is an interesting point, actually, and it's almost a wider wider argument and conversation, which is like... So many manufacturers now are bringing out all these special editions. It's like, I, I can think of so many that Triumph have done. It's like the 007 one, then yeah. it's the DGR one, then it's the Chrome one. It's like, they're not actually different bikes. They've all got they've all different, got different tanks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I understand that when when you look at what they've done in the past, that they might have the, like, the Bud Aitken's Triumph T100, yeah. and that's super valuable. But then the more special editions they bring out, which is like three or four a year at the moment. Yeah. Are we going to look back in thirty years' time and go, "Oh my gosh, you've got a DGR bike"? Yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, think only I, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we won't, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe when they had the old desert races back in the day, they didn't think you know they'd become valuable bikes. Who knows? Well, that was the DGR. That was the DGR. Now, shall we move on to our guess the engine game? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to start with you. 
because someone wrote in and sent you a clip they sent me a clip now excited to hear it the message was heard in the recent podcast that no one sent in an engine clip for jet to guess so i've got a good one here for you if you're interested in using it now before i read out what it is i'm going to play the video (laughs) yeah please do i think this is going to be quite tricky when i listened to it i thought a that bike's extremely niche but well not that yeah see what you think okay go on that yeah it's really tricky it sounded like a kickstart at the beginning yep that's correct because i heard him decompress and then you know get the the piston in the right place um two stroke no it's not a two stroke that is interesting i can see why you'd say that yeah no it sounds really um yeah uh aftermarket exhaust yep okay aftermarket exhaust so it's got to be more than two cylinders Correct. It's got to be, I'm going to say inline four. Yeah. So it's, is it a classic inline four with a kickstart? Yeah. Japanese? Yeah. Uh-oh. Is it? Is it like a Honda CB750? Close? 550? Oh, close? Less than lower capacity? Like 450? 400? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what? You've done extremely well to guess that. It's a, it's a CB500. It's a 500, okay. Now. CB504. Yeah. 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 1973 K1. Fair play. That's a really that's a really good effort. I was just thinking first bike that came to my head kickstart with inline 4 and it's got to be the Honda. Yeah, I think the reason I I I knew it would throw you off because I'd have exactly the same reaction if I went through that thought process I'd go CB750. It's yeah. just like the obvious. It's the yeah. And you forget that there was a 500 like really well done mate. Yeah, no, thank you. So I've got one for you that's uh also interesting. Here we go. Sorry, you didn't get a startup. Don't worry, mate. We're budget budget <laughs> cuts. We can we can we can we can work with that. Well, okay. So my first response: it sounds like a dry clutch. No. It's not a dry clutch. So I can tell like you that it's aftermarket exhaust. Aftermarket exhaust. Okay, so let, let, let's just go back a step. So V-twin. It's it's a twin. Oh, it could be a parallel twin. Okay, so if it's a parallel twin, it's it's really characterful. It's not like it's not like your run-of-the-mill no, it's Honda twin. Not. So I'm going to say it's a European twin. Y- in some sense, yeah. What do you mean in some sense? Well, it's... You know, I guess European. I'm, I'm, you've thrown me off with this. It might not be European thing. <laughs> it has Zard exhaust, if you want to know what the brand of exhaust is. Okay, I and mean, it doesn't really help. Okay, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm going to change tack here with my line of questioning. Go on then. I think it's... I think it's... Uh, I think it's actually... I think it's fairly recent. I think it's I think it's after 2000. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a newish bike. It is It, it sounds liquid-cooled. 
you, well, you, the thing is, you've thrown me off with this. It might not be European thing. I, I, <laughs> is, it, is it not European or something? Well, it is European. Technically. It, it, okay, it is, it is technically European. We can rule out. We can rule out England. We can rule out. Don't don't jump to conclusions. This is why I said technically, you know, I'd rule out the east of Europe. It's an English twin. Okay, well, there's only a few options here. Yeah, there there are only a few options. Is it the new Norton? You're on the right track. Your brand wise, you're on the right track. Is it the is it the command the new the new Commando eight fifty whatever it is? It's not the new Commando. It's, should I tell you? Because yeah. you've got it really close. Okay, go on. It's the Commando 961. So it's the previous generations of Nortons oh, before they were bought out. That's actually, that's really tricky. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, understood. Yeah, fair enough. That's tough. That was quite niche. Yeah, so 1-0 uh, to you. <laughs> no, we really. love a guess the engine game. Right, Q&A. Q&A, let's do it. So I got a few questions in this week. So shall I kick it off? Go on. So I've got one from SebG3. Cool. And it is sadly not DGR related, but just curious which GPS tracker you guys use recommended for security. I think you're a good one to answer this. Yeah, that is a good question, actually. Yeah, so um, I use the Monimoto. I think it's just called the Monimoto. I think they've they've only got one model. Anyway, yeah, Monimoto is the brand I use. It's like a little cylindrical plastic tube you shove it somewhere on the bike. It also comes with a little fob and the fob goes on your keys. And then when you're not with the bike, so the fob and the thing can't talk to each other, Yeah, it basically arms it. It's got its own battery. And then if the bike moves, even just in the slightest and you're not there, it calls your phone. That's brilliant. And it calls your phone nonstop. Like, I literally won't stop calling you. So you have like a SIM card plan for the track as well. Yeah, but it's, it's not it's not expensive. Yeah. So and, and it's really, really good. And it's it saved me on a few occasions. That's perfect. And it's really useful for when you take your bike to the mechanic and they say, yeah, yeah, that will that will take a whole afternoon, whatever, for some job. Yeah. And then you drop it off with them and it's at like 5 p.m. that you suddenly the thing rings. Oh, and then know. 10 minutes later you get a call saying, yeah, yeah, we've just finished on your bike. And you can say, well, hang on a sec. You've only just moved it. Yeah. And then, you know, that's happened to me once. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Right, one. Uh, are we going to be at the Margate Meltdown on the 29th of May? That's from uh, Seb G. Oh, same dude. 29th of May. Um, I mean, we could do. You know, we've got some availability this weekend. Yeah, I coming. mean, oh, is that this weekend? That's this weekend coming. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, we were. Thing is, well, we've just been down in Margate for the for the we have. for the beach race. So, uh, yeah, I suppose we could do. But I, I'm more looking forward to the the Brighton run. That yes. I think happens later in the summer. That will be good. Yeah, because apparently the market make meltdown is like very heavily sport bike oriented. Is it? And we're going up to the TT. Oh in well, two I could weeks. go down on the the speed triple RR. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair play, fair play. Okay, so maybe we'll go. Yeah. Okay. So South Coast Saab, great username. Late eighties, early nineties sports bike. What are you having? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I almost want to say. So some people have done some really cool Jixa um, slab side. Oh yeah, builds. Yeah, yeah. Now I think there was one at Bike Shed Show last year. I literally, I read this. I read this question earlier, and I had this. I had, oh, a, I had, a, I had a slab oh, side. Yeah, tape. perfect. They are stunning. Yeah, such cool bikes. Or my other option would be like an, a Yamaha YZF. Uh, what did they come in? Seven fifty. Uh, I'm not actually hundred percent sure. 
it was all about that displacement. Yeah. Because the the, the Jixxer slab side was like the first proper track bike. It was, yeah. And then everyone copied them. It was a bit like when Honda Honda bought out the CB seven fifty four, and then exactly. everyone was like, okay, right, we're gonna do this that. Is it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you you take the Jixxer seven fifty slab side. Probably. Yeah. That, that was gonna be my answer. So I will have to say, um, I take a first gen Fireblade. You yeah. Know, the one that's like white. Purple. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked bike. Like nineteen ninety, I think. Yeah. Really cool bike. Yeah. Or or yeah. Or the RC Honda RC thirty. With that single sided swing arm. Yeah. With the white yeah, wheels. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Stunning. Stunning. <laughs> okay. So we've got another question from Sam Pilgrim ninety seven. And it's any tips for city riding. I went on my first ride on Saturday and got cut off twice in 10 minutes. Cheers. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, riding in the city, you've just got to be... You've got to be really alert. Yeah, you've got to be really alert and also just go for the gaps. You've got to be aggressive. If, if you're a biker in, a, in in an urban environment and you give way to people, you're not going to get anywhere. No. I almost have a rule why I basically just don't give way to anyone. No. And that's not in like a rude way, but it's more just in the fact that I feel like you either give way to everyone or no one. And then, it, and that's not, doesn't mean if there's an old lady halfway across the no, road, I'm, not. I'm sort of honking at her. It's more just like generally, yeah, you know, because also, and one of the reasons I say that is like when you're on a bike, if you give way to some white van at a junction, exactly, you're going to overtake him two Five minutes, two later, seconds yeah. later. Exactly. Well, exactly. So there's, there's, there's very little point. Yeah. So you just got to be, uh, you know, grab it by the horns. Yeah, exactly. And also the highway code um, states that vehicles larger than bikes should give way to bikes anyway really yeah so they've changed it recently and it goes in size now so the the smaller the vehicle you are so for example cyclists give way to pedestrians then we give way to cyclists and it sort of goes down the chain cars give way to motorbikes cyclists pedestrians etc does that mean a T120 has to give way to a T100 (laughs) it must do it it, it must do yeah displacement wise yeah. yeah yeah no cool Oh, okay. So from RKT120, he says, would you ever ride outside of your area and join a different location for the DGR? So this is actually a good question. Yeah, it's wonderful. I was asked to go to the Goldtop DGR run, which is in, it starts in Bishop Stortford at their shop. And um, I'm thinking, well, the London one was really good and so many bikes. So I think it would be quite hard to beat. Yeah, although I have heard that um, some of the ones outside of London, you know, they're not going through urban environments, so exactly. you just get twisties, which you get must be amazing. Pace. Yeah, imagine yeah. a few hundred bikes just on country roads, open roads. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So maybe next year we'll try something different. Who knows? Yeah, I've heard the uh, I've heard the one down at Guildford's quite good. Yes, Guildford. Sorry, that that might be the one for next year. Yeah. Okay, now Sam Rich, aka the People's Rider, he wrote in, and this is quite a different question, and yeah. he says on the subject of mental health, I, you know, being the DGR, he says. Can you name any times where going for a ride has gotten you out of a negative headspace or downward spiral? Absolutely. Yeah. There's something about getting on your bike and, you know, because all your focus goes into the riding, suddenly you're not thinking about those issues that you've had throughout the day or the month, the week, whatever. You're you're then focused on the road ahead of you and controlling your machine. And I think that's key to, you know, lifting you up. And it's also just a great feeling. It's the closest thing to... being in a fighter jet, I suppose, on the road when you're yeah. banking around corners and you know you've got the engine underneath you and it's rumbling away and the heat and the smell, yeah, absolutely for me, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, totally agree. Cool. Now, that's about it, isn't it? That is about it and for this week. Well, for this week, yes, because coming up we have bike shed show. Yeah. Now, 
is your your bike's going to be yes so if you want to see my bike in person and you are at bike shed show it will be there in its grimy glory okay so you're not going to clean it i was thinking about giving it you know just a quick wipe over but yeah. it's a daily ridden bike so i think people should see it how it is most of the time i i, I respect that so i'm just going to take it there and she's going to go on a plinth so yeah look out for look out for the london bonnie yeah, I know. It's going to be an exciting week. There's lots coming up. We've got the uh, your Triumph Speed Triple Double R being, being delivered. delivered at the end yep. of the week. And uh, it's going to be an interesting debrief to see what that's like. Yes, that will be an interesting debrief. Massive thanks to Motown yet again. Yeah, thank and, you. And uh, head, to, head to their website if you need any parts. The code is... Uh, TM... <laughs> actually, you know... <laughs> it's T- it's TW... What is the code? Is it like TW12? No, no, I think it's TMD12. TMD12, that's it. If you go to the Midweek Debrief Instagram, it's in the bio. Yeah, there's a, there's a code and you can get a discount on your indicators. Yeah, I think it's 12%. All right, guys. See you next week. Catch you soon. In a bit. Bye-bye.